always given me, uh, anytime he gives me the privilege to do this, I want to uh, extend my appreciation to him and for what uh, given me the opportunity to do this. I do not take it lightly. And then I want to say thank you to Andy and to this group of people. Um, when I was a little boy, growing up in my daddy's church and my daddy pastored, uh, it was a small church of about 100 in rural dairy farming community in East Tennessee. And we sang from the hymn book every Sunday. And there was a song, as Pastor Scott asked me to preach, and as I began to develop uh, this, the thought of this uh, sermon in my mind, the song that they're about to sing, at least one verse of it, um, began to come back to my memory. I don't know that I've heard it in 35 years, but every word of it came back to me. And it's not particularly our style, um, but, and, and to my knowledge, no one on stage has ever heard this song. So um, they've had to learn it new, they've had to learn everything about it, and I just want to say thank you to all of you, and this is basically the theme of our message this morning, so uh, thank you all for this. King of glory, he is my king. Let all the world proclaim it. King of glory, he is my king, let all the world proclaim it loudly, he is my king of royal holy fame, and when I get to glory, I will sing the story of his love for me. That was fun, wasn't it? In fourth grade, I entered a, uh, I entered a race at, a, at, at an event at my middle school called Field Day. Anybody ever participated in Field Day? So I entered the race, and I was, uh, um, it was a 400-meter dash. Now, that's a misnomer. Dash is not the correct for 400 meters, but that's what I thought at the time. I had never run that distance before. I didn't even know what that distance was. And so I was out in the front yard practicing, basically running from this pew to that pew, just that distance back and forth. And my dad, who at the time was 
maybe a little bit overweight and maybe a little sedentary. Um, I had never really witnessed my dad participate in any kind of sports or anything. He walked out and just watched me run back and forth in the yard. And he finally said, son, what are you doing? And I said, I signed up for the field day race, dad, at, at school, and I'm going to win. And he said, do you have any idea how long that race is? And I said, no. He said, none of your friends know it either. He said, I can tell you something right now, and I can guarantee you'll win the race if you'll do what I say. And he began to give me some advice that was utterly and completely contrary to anything I had ever heard or knew about athletics. And so his advice was, he, he knew that my middle school did not have a track, so he knew that we were gonna be running on a football field and that we would start in one end zone and we would run to the other end zone and touch, touch the, the end zone line and then go back and do that four times across 100 yards. So he said, I want you I want you, when they say go, I want you to stand up and jog that first 100 yards. And then, when you get to that first end zone line, I want you to touch the end zone line, and I want you to jog about halfway back. And then I want you to turn it on. He said, I guarantee you, you'll win. So the day came for the race, and I got down, and I was in a moral dilemma. Do I do what I think is best, or do I do what my dad, whom I've never seen run five steps? More on that later. <laughs> As a created people, we have an innate desire to look up to someone. We have a desire to, to, to look up for a leader. Over the course of history, we began to appoint leaders. In fact, uh, that, you know, this notion of king, um, this, that, that we're, we're praising the king of kings this morning, but this notion of king came about over history as we desire someone to look up to, someone to admire, someone to follow. Whether it be king or pharaoh or prime minister or president, Whatever it is, we desire for there to be someone in charge, someone to look up to. You know, I even, um, and once someone kind of gets that title, it's hard to take it away. I mean, no one has taken away the title of king of rock and roll from Elvis, right? What about the king of pop? Everybody knows who that is, right? Michael Jackson. Is, has anyone, does anyone not know who the king of the jungle is? Disney's, Disney's top-rated animated movie is The Lion King. Even if you're going to get a bed and you want the best one, the biggest one, what size do you get? You get a king-size bed. <clears throat> I mean, this whole idea of king has come, up, has come to us and we, we look forward to the, and want to look up to someone. And we've, 
we've experienced that in our lives. I want to read to you this morning from the book of uh, 1 Timothy. You can join me in that. In fact, I will ask you to, uh, this is our scripture focus this morning. We will be, uh, if, if you notice in the bulletin, there's quite a few uh, scripture references in the back of the bulletin where I'll just be referencing a lot of scripture this morning. But um, for our focal passage this morning, it will come from 1 Timothy chapter 6. And if you would, join me as we honor the reading of God's word by standing. And I'll just be reading a few verses uh, from 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Um, to keep the commandments unstained and free from reproach until the peer appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Father, we pray that you will bless the reading of your word this morning, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, God's kingship and lordship is evident. Genesis chapter 1 says that in the beginning God created. There's, there's no other greater leader than someone who creates the whole world. There's, no, there's nobody else to look up to after that. So in Genesis, we have this, uh, this notion that Jesus created, Jesus, God, the Trinity were there, and that they created the whole earth. And then in Revelation um, chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, we, John is writing to the seven churches of Asia Minor. They are in a crisis John starts by extending to them grace and peace and then declares that Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 4 says, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. From the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, of the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And I'm going to tell you something, church, that has not changed. There is no, there is no change in the fact that Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Just as kings have authority and power and influence, Jesus, the king of kings has authority over other world leaders it's important for us to know that in daniel chapter 2 the bible tells us that he changes times and seasons he removes kings and sets up kings in matthew 28 11 the bible tells us and jesus says these words all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Not only 
Does he have authority? Not only uh, is he the king of kings, but his kingdom will triumph. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Matthew chapter 16 says the gates of hell will not prevail against him. And then in Revelation chapter 17, it says they will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. As we began to ponder, and we're at, you know, we're at a Baptist church here this morning, so it should not come as a surprise that we feel this way, but sometimes we don't act this way. Sometimes we don't look at it and say, wow, Jesus is in control because things seem out of control. But if we look at the Word of God, and this is just a sampling, in Genesis, He is the Creator. In Exodus, He controls Pharaoh. In Leviticus, He is referred to as our great high priest. In Joshua, He is the commander of the army of God. In 1 Samuel, He is the great judge. In Ezra, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. In Ecclesiastes, he is the one above the sun, the Bible tells us. In Zechariah, he is the king over all the earth. In Revelations, it says, on his robe and thigh are written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So church, there is no doubt, there can be no debate, there can be no discussion. Jesus is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Amen? We are in a position where, where we, are, we are led by someone far off in Washington, D.C. And, and then there's all these other leaders of other countries. And, uh, and then we have our, 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 local, our, our local authorities. But it's important for us to never forget Jesus is the Lord of them all. It's also important to know it's possible for him to be the King of kings and Lord of lords and not be your king. It's very possible that Jesus can be the next slide, please. Jesus can be the King of kings and Lord of lords and not be your king. When my daughter Emma was 12 years old, an unusual set of circumstances came about to where she was playing soccer and there, weren't, there wasn't a soccer team for her to play on, a rec, I mean a travel soccer team for her to play on uh, with girls. So when she was 12 years old, she played boys on an all-boys travel soccer team she entered a tournament this team entered a tournament of all boys so as we began to play our first game my daughter was the only girl on an all-boys team and the only girl in an all-boys tournament so there was seven or eight teams there and she was the only girl playing on any of the teams. So as we began to play our first game, I was a little nervous because at 12, at age 12, boys are starting to kind of pass the girls when it comes to speed and strength and things like that. 
And I was just quite frankly a little bit nervous about this. And boys can be a little rough on the soccer field. And so I was kind of watching, hanging out in the background, you know, kind of uh, being nervous a little bit. And so they began to play. And, of course, I began to hear some parents because this Emma had, at that time especially, she had shiny blonde hair and wore a long ponytail. So it was pretty obvious on the field. And I began to watch and watch, and I got nervous, and she was in there. And, and I just started hearing parents talking about who, who's, whose daughter is that? That's a girl on the field. And I just, I just didn't say anything. And then about halfway through the first half, there was a ball going out of bounds. And I saw her going for it at full speed. And I saw another little boy going for it at full speed. And they were converging. And I got more and more nervous. And just as they both approached the ball, I saw Emma lower her shoulder and hit this boy and knocked him out of bounds. And I'm going to tell you, I went, that's my daughter. She's mine. I couldn't be more excited. I lost my mind. I was so excited. We lost the game. It didn't matter. It's my daughter. That's mine. There was another time Joanne and I um, went to run a race. Uh, we used to run a lot of 5Ks and things like that. And so... Um, we, we entered this really silly race in Alabama called the Krispy Kreme Challenge, which is where you run two miles to a Krispy Kreme donut shop, and then you eat 12 donuts, and then you run two miles back. And you have to do that within an hour. If you do it within an hour from start to finish, including the 12 donuts, you get a special T-shirt and that you finished the Krispy Kreme Challenge. So we, got, uh, we ran the first two miles. We began to eat. The first two or three go down easy. After you start to um, get to six and seven, it begins, begins to get pretty, pretty difficult. They have judges there that are watching you to make sure you're not throwing those donuts away. And if once you finish the 12th donut, they put a big red X on your race bib to indicate that you finished the 12 donuts. Well, I got to eight or nine, and I looked at Joanne, and she was at like four. And I was like, honey, I love you, but I'm not waiting on you. I came here to finish this race. I'm going to finish it. So I finished my last donuts, and I started running back. And let me tell you, that's pretty uncomfortable to run the two miles back. And so I finished, and I was just sitting like everybody else that had finished, just sitting along the side of the road wishing I hadn't done this. And as I looked up the road with three minutes to spare, here comes my wife with big red X on her thing. And I said, that's my wife. That's my wife. All you boys, your wives didn't do this. My wife did that. We can get excited about our possessions. Don't you love it when you know somebody that's in the news, that's doing something good? I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't even know who Jake Hoot was if, you wasn't, if he didn't go to Tennessee Tech. I don't watch that show, but there's a lot of people that are like, Jake Hoot's from Cookville. 
I don't think he's from Cookville, but he went to Tennessee Tech. We love Kiwan Foster because Kiwan came from this church. I mean, we love him for a lot of reasons, but that's one of the reasons. There's something about being attached, loving someone. Um, you know, when our president, uh, when our president Donald Trump came to Cookville for the, uh, because of the tornado, y'all remember that? He visited our town. He visited my town. He got to see for a half a day, he got to see where we stand, what we see, who we are. And for most people, that made them love him more. That the President of the United States took a moment, a half a day, to come walk among us because of the disaster of the tornadoes. And for a lot of people, for a lot of people, that made them adore him and love him more. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords wants to have a personal relationship with you every day. The Creator, the one who is over the President, the one who is over all the kings of all the nations forever and ever and ever wants to be with us. He walks among us anyway. He's with us anyway. And not only that, He's all wise. Back to this field day story. I got down and I had to decide has my dad, I mean, they're, we're, they're about to start the race, and I asked myself this question, has my dad ever steered me wrong? Now, some of you didn't grow up with a wise father. Some of you didn't grow up in a, I, had, I grew up in a great household. And I could not, at that moment, as I was in the, in, in, on the ground, in the starting blocks, ready to take on this field day race in fourth grade, these thoughts came through my mind. Has my dad ever steered me wrong? Has there ever been a time that he has given me advice that did not come true? And I decided at that moment, he had not. So because I trusted my dad, and because he had never let me down, I did something that I thought made no sense. And I followed his advice. And I won the race. I won the race by a long shot. I mean, I was 20 yards ahead of the next person because they all, they all wore, got wore out in the race because it took off too fast. And so if you think about the fact that we have, I had an earthly father. And when that race was over, I got this reputation to be the fastest guy in school. Everybody wanted to race me, and I was like, no, 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 you had your chance. <clears throat> um, but when, but, but, as, but as I looked at that and I thought to myself, man, I'm so glad that I listened to my dad, and I'm so glad that I have a dad that cared enough to give me some advice and to, from his life experience, help me. Now, imagine that on a scale that we can't comprehend, that we have access to the wisest person, the wisest God 
Jesus Christ, we have access to him every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Has anybody ever lost a parent and said, man, I wish I could just spend one more day with them? Well, we have the chance to spend one more day and another day and another day with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In John chapter 10, thinking again about when President Trump came, when President Trump came and he spent some time among us, it really did make everybody feel better. He didn't do anything, but it made us feel better because the leader of our nation came here. But in John chapter 10, it, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own knows me. In Psalm 139, the Bible tells us, says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know it. In Jeremiah, it says, I know the plans I have for you. In Nahum, it says, he knows those who take refuge in him. In John chapter 10, again, it says, My sheep hear my voice. But church, if you do not know the joy of claiming him as your king, it's not too late. Matthew chapter 7. This is sobering, but it's true. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21, says, Not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Or... Did I not attend church at Stephen Street in your name? Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. In 2 Timothy, the Lord In 2 Timothy, the Bible tells us about situations and, and circumstances that we're in right now. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions. Matthew chapter 12 says, Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. So the question is, well, there is no question that Jesus is the King of Kings. There is no question or debate in that. And I'm here to declare to you, Jesus is my King. I love that song, by the way. That was fun. I wish we could come back and do it again real quick. Um, but the real question is, the question that, met, that matters the most 
Is he really your king? Is he really your king? Um, in Joshua, in the book of Joshua, it says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served before the river and in, G and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites whose land you dwell in. But Joshua said these words, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you've never made that declaration, if you've never declared to your, in your own soul, if you see people celebrating the kingship of Jesus and it doesn't resonate with you, Maybe he's really not your king. And the truth is, there will come a time when, as the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So the truth is, at the end of time, everyone will bow to the king. But if he was never your king, you will be forced to bow and it will be too late. But the fact is, he is the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. And so if you have not made him your king, I encourage you to do that today. In fact, that's how we're going to close the service today. I'm just going to ask you if you would consider, are you too bound up in and, and caught up in what the rulers of this world are doing and saying? and less interested in what the king of all kings and the lord of all lords is saying are you following him and really is he your king do you celebrate that are you excited about that i hope that you are and if you're not i'll ask you to consider that this morning as we take a few minutes to pray